So it's definitely been nice slowing down, doing more one thing at a time and really thinking about what you want to do and having a bit more purpose to that, a bit more strategy. Hello and welcome to Also in Pink, the podcast all about lifestyle design, how we live, the clothes we choose and how we organize our space. I'm your host, Alexandria Lawrence, a certified KonMari consultant and personal stylist. I'm here to guide you on your journey to live a happy, fulfilled life. Every Tuesday, you'll get new insight on what it means to live well, plus actionable tips. Redefine what's possible and create your ideal life. Our guest today is graphic designer Sarah Sansom. Born and raised in Britain, she lives in New York City. Sarah designs packaging for food and drink brands during the day and spends much of the rest of her time discovering and photographing the latest street art. Sarah aims to inspire others through positive, uplifting expression, whether it's in your kitchen cupboard or discovering new artists you love. And her two entertaining cats and husband, also a designer, keep her balanced and grounded in between. Sarah also happens to be my sister-in-law. Sarah, welcome. It's so lovely to have you on the show. Thank you, Alexandra. I'm honored to be here. So I saw you in New York City about nine months ago when I did my KonMari consultant training course. And wow, I can't believe how much the world has changed since then. Yes, different times. (laughs) Yeah, so you guys in Manhattan were certainly hit hard by the pandemic. And I remember you mentioned a a lockdown sport a while ago, which I rather love. Something about looking out the windows of your flat. Some of the people watching, yeah, when people started going out again and seeing if people were wearing masks or not, or if they were wearing them. I think the game has evolved now to, are they wearing them properly? Are they on their face? Are they wearing them on their arm? They're all manner of mask fashion. And does design come into it at all in terms of how you judge them or? Yeah, I'm always wanting to go out to other women and ask, oh, where's that from? But you don't want to get too close to people at the same time. So that's (laughs) hard. Definitely. What does your own mask look like? Is it sort of a style statement, would you say? Uh, I have a few. My my first ones were from my local uh, cat cafe that closed down. So there's a very uh, cat themed and then eventually street artists started making them. So I have some of those, which are like different levels of being very like graffiti and full on to a bit more uh, sedate. And then I have some like more regular ones as well. So we're getting a collection, trying to find the right kind. Oh, I love that. So you have something to go with most fashions. Yes, most occasions. So Sarah, ever since I've known you, I love how whenever you come to the UK, you always spend time in grocery stores and supermarkets looking for nice packaging. And what do you look for in good or inspiring packaging? Yeah, I think in the UK, there's a lot of very clean design. Uh, So especially in a lot of supermarkets that have their own private label. So whether it's M&S or Waitrose or especially some of those more upscale stores, like they have very clean packaging and simple, um, which is a little bit of the opposite to what some American packaging could be. So you design food and drink brands packaging during the day, and then much of the rest of your time seems to be devoted to street art photography. Yes, so that's something I got into uh, about five or six years ago. And yeah, so a lot of my time is spent... uh, going around seeing what's new, whether it's from a little sticker to a big mural, which is just really fun to do. 
Yeah, it sounds like it. And you have so many amazing photos. Your Instagram account, Cats Coffee Creativity, very lovely alliteration, has gone from strength to strength. And I see now you have over 40,000 followers. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I think some of that is due to just posting constantly because I'm a little obsessive. But I think also going to a lot of places. So coming back to the UK, you know, I, I meet online and connect with a lot of people in London or around the, the country. And the same when, you know, going to Miami for Art Basel and different things like that. Yeah, so you've developed a real community, a street art community online that you're part of. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's just really been really encouraging and uh, uh, really positive. Excellent. And how would you say the world of street art has changed in this COVID reality we're now living in? So it's definitely changed in terms of how much people can do. You know, normally in New York, we'd have you know several festivals over the summer and lots of international artists coming to visit and paint here. Um, so we really had none of those. Uh, there's been a lot more indoor work. There's one artist who lives in upstate New York who's just been painting a different mural on his barn every day. So I think he's almost up to 100 by now. Wow. So you just post those and next day just paints over it and paints something new. So uh, yeah, it's been uh, very different. That's amazing. So can you tell, do you think the street artists themselves have been less productive in this time or they've just found really inventive ways of continuing to do their work? Yeah, so I think they found different ways. And then I think a lot of focused on, you know, street artists do the murals to draw attention to themselves and get known, get like a fandom. But a lot of their living is made through selling canvases you know, based on the same work. Uh, so a lot of people have been doing a lot more of that and then doing other like merchandise and other things like that. I think in terms of content over the last few months, you know, there's a much more political purpose to the art in terms of content. So it's kind of dealing with two issues. Yeah, sure. And have you got to know street artists personally yourself and your photography of them? I have, yeah. So really the first year I was doing this, I was just photographing street art that already existed. So it was already up. And then the second year I realized, oh, they repaint these like every year. So there are seasonal walls that groups get together and paint or there are the festivals. So there are a lot of different events uh, that go throughout the year where things get repainted and you meet people. Uh, and now I've got involved with a little bit more of the people who curate the murals. So people who organize between the businesses and the street artists to paint there and what the content's going to be. So now sometimes they'll give me a heads up their painting. And I, yeah, I have a lot of admiration for them. And do you find that street artists recognize you when you come and photograph them? They do a lot of the time, yes. And something that helps with that is I wear a hat in my profile picture, just so it's been updated, now I have a mask. But um, a lot of it was like any events, I would wear like the same kind of style of hat and they'd be like, oh, Sarah, and they'd be like, who are you? <laughs> but yeah, so this just helps other street art photographers approach you as well. That's a great styling point as well, creating an image for yourself that does enable people to recognize you. Yeah, have you found that you've done that with your creative work online? Have you um, curated an image of who Sarah is? <laughs> 
just generally on Instagram, like I'm really inspired by a lot of street photographers. So people who use like very low angles or very dramatic angles, or they do like the color splashes or like other editing techniques. So I've been inspired by a lot of those in terms of uh, look, people who do like stride buys where somebody's walking by a wall, which tends to be a little bit more from lifestyle photography. So I've taken a few of those techniques, including doing like puddle grams, like photographing from the grounds so you get the reflection of the art in puddle in puddles so there's like two of us who do that in new york so you can tell generally to tell who's by oh that's great yeah i think that's amazing to have a recognizable sort of style even if it evolves that people can say ah that's one of Sarah's photographs. No, absolutely. And the thing in New York is there are so many people who are doing the same thing. So often, you know, it might be a couple of weeks before I get to a, a wall. I have to then think of a different way of doing it because people have already seen 20 different pictures of us. So is that something you actively research? Do you think of where you're going and see the sort of photos other people have taken and think, oh, how can I differentiate myself? Yeah, yeah. And I try not to copy what somebody else has, has done already, because that's their thing to, you know, have that appreciation for. So I don't want to do something that's too similar. Sometimes there's only like one way to shoot a wall, like there's roadworks in front of it or something. So everyone has the same thing. And it's a little bit hit, hit and miss. <laughs> and how would you say your background in graphic design has influenced the way you photograph? I think definitely helps with composition. So I think composition and editing, that definitely helps. Whereas I see a lot of people who don't have any, you know, they have a job that's entirely different, like it's not creative. So that will tend to be a little bit more straightforward. Um, so I think, yeah, composition and then, you know, just realizing, oh, okay, I have to wait for the shadow to go away. Or, you know, there's some things you have to do or wait for the right person to come along or things like that. So I think it's just helps with having that eye. Definitely. And I think you can see it in your photos. They're really just so beautifully put together and inspiring. And I love your portraits of yourself too, near walls, or you're a master of the um, the foot photographs. <laughs> oh, yes, I guess that's like a look down, or I, I have a Sarah Shoe selfie hashtag. Yes, there's a fun to do too, because I feel that there are so many different like textures in, in New York and places I travel to. And um, something I've noticed as well, I don't know if you're still doing that at the moment, but there is a period of you're doing a sort of black and white filter and then having pops of colour come through your images. Yeah, that can be a fun way to, like if the environment's really busy visually or you're photographing something small, like a sticker on a lamppost or something like that. So yeah, I have a couple of photographers I follow who do that really well and that's that's really fun to to do. So that helps with some of the smaller pieces of art, whether it's like a like a little poster or a sticker or something like that. It helps you mute down the environment. And there's such nice architecture in New York as well. Sometimes it's nice to show that too. Is there a particular piece of street art or a scene that you've found particularly challenging to photograph? Ooh, that's a good question. I think some things I've got over the challenge by including other things in them. So some murals are a little bit more like they're just patterns or just graphic and can be very simple. So those I tend to wait for somebody to walk past to give you a focal point. Because <laughs> they can be great, like super colourful, really nice, like really bright and engaging, but there's no like focal point to hang on to. So having a person come by really helps. 
Yeah, definitely. And do you know how long on average you wait for that? Or at some point you would be like, oh, no, it's not going to happen. Let's try something else. Sure. Yeah, I have a friend in、uh, London who also does the same thing. And he says, oh, about 20 minutes. And I think that's probably about the same. So depending on the weather and what's happening, I might give it like, okay, five minutes and you know, maybe 10 people come past or up to 15 if it really needs something. There's been a lot less people to choose from. During quarantine. <laughs> sure. So I've had to lower my, my、uh, standards a little bit, but it's still good. <laughs> And how about、um, people's mask game? Does that play a part in it as well if they wear a fabulous mask as they're going past? Or if they're not wearing a mask? Oh, definitely. Yeah, there's something that's like color matching. And I think generally it just helps capture the time period we're in.、Um, so one of the first murals I went to see after quarantining for quite a long time was one that was painted in the East Village, which is just south from me,、um, which was just all red and it says, We love New York and typography. So when I went out to photograph that, I, caught, I actually caught somebody going by wearing red and he was just wearing the standard like blue medical mask. But it was still like a great capture for. This time. Sorry, I have a cat jumping around <laughs> the desk here. <laughs> it all adds to the atmosphere. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so it helps tell a story. I'm not really, really like, close enough to get into the color or the pattern so much, but occasionally that, that's great. Yeah, and telling a story is such an essential thing with pretty much anything we do nowadays. How much do you go into the story of the street artists themselves or their ideas behind it? Or is it more just like visual impact? And what, what are you going for? I think now I'm looking for more like meaning in art, especially if there's some kind of, you know, for social change or anti racism. So I'm looking for a little bit more of that rather than just, oh, hey, it's a portrait of an amalgam of people or, you know, just some、oh, beautiful woman. Um, so, definitely looking for a little meaning. Yeah, that's great. So, have you mostly been traveling on foot or your bike during this period of the pandemic? How do you get around and find new pieces? Yeah, so I do everything by bike. I haven't been doing、uh, public transport yet. And I can walk to a little bit near me, but the main things are a little bit further away.、Um, so, the Soho shopping area downtown、uh, had a lot of work over the last few months because all those shops are、uh, boarded up, mainly because. Because they closed down when lockdown started. So, when they closed, they put boards over a lot of the windows. And then, when the、um, protest started, like the rest of the stores did that. So, there are a lot of artists that still live in that, that area, which was a big artistic area in the 60s. So, I'd be able to go on my bike and、uh, go around and see those. And it was a good, also a good way of staying away from people, especially earlier in the year.、Um, so, I could just ride, ride down the middle of the road. So, that's been a really good way of getting around and, and seeing everything. Okay, excellent. So, what do you think the best way is to support your favorite street artist? Any suggestions for our listeners how to support street art? Yeah, so I think,、uh, yeah, buying art is、uh, definitely the first thing. I think, you know, helping promote or draw attention to any shows they have or anything like that. And so, a lot of artists will maybe not have work available all the time, but they'll do like limited print runs and things like that every few months. And then a lot more have like their own merchandise now. So, they'll have art on hoodies or they might have prints or other items. So, those are kind of fun ways to do that. So, definitely, we've been doing that over the last few months. 
Sounds good. And I know that cats are an important part of your life too. As I, I wish we had a, a video recording of this call, you could see Oscar. Oh yes, he's pretty lively, yeah. Have Oscar and, and Trixie enjoyed having you and your husband working from home? Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, a lot of my work I've been doing on, we have a little mini sofa in our living room. So they've definitely benefited from that. And yeah, they're definitely manipulating us as much as possible to get more time. So Trixie kind of knows when we're about to finish and she'll get up and prance around for attention. And then Oscar's been enjoying having some playtime before work in the morning. So he loves anything like chewy and rubber. So I like throw these rings around for about five minutes in the morning. So yeah, they're definitely spoiled. Excellent. And I remember when I when I stayed with you, you have a lovely evening ritual for your cats. Would you like to tell everyone about that? Oh, yes. So this started a few years ago. So we live in a big apartment building in New York. So at night, we take the trash out to a shoot. So the cats have come to the habit of coming out with me. And they just like sniffing at all the neighbors' doors. They're nosy. I think that there's kind of more space in the hallway than there is in our apartment. So they like rolling around on the, the carpets. So it's just kind of a fun ritual. So so if I don't do it in time, they'll, they'll both sit and look at me, um, waiting to be taken outside. So it's kind of like a dog going for a walk. They demand it. Have they behaved in any surprising ways since you all have been spending more time at home? I guess we kind of discovered that there's a time of day towards the end of the day when the sun comes in our bedroom window. So Trixie loves getting up into that. So that comes across our, our bed. So she likes, like she'll, if she'll be completely asleep and then she'll wake up and jump to sit in the sun, uh, which we never realized she did. So that's been kind of fun. Definitely. Uh, yeah, just like having a webcam or something, except you're there in person to see it all happen. It is. Yeah, I'm like, oh, it's that time. Oh, that's lovely. Imagine if you live the life you really want. You know, your dream life. Have you ever taken time to picture what it would look like? I mean, what it would really look like? We're not talking about the life you feel you should have, but deep down, the life you secretly want. Your ideal life. Maybe you already have a vision. Picture an iconic VW camper van pootling down the coastal path. Maybe you're in Cornwall, the Amalfi Coast, or alongside a fjord in Norway. Yes, the scenery is stunning, and you're getting ready to stop for a picnic. There's a perfectly ripe, oozy cheese waiting for you, a selection of your favorite treats, and there may, or may not, be vintage vinyl and a portable gramophone to complete the picture. But... That's never going to happen, right? Wouldn't it be nice to take a step back, sweep aside all your worries, and imagine that's where I come in? I'm your host, Alexandria Lawrence, and I've developed an exclusive questionnaire for the Also in Pink community to help you create a vision of your ideal life. Simply join the Also in Pink email list and you'll get instant access to our Ideal Lifestyle Vision questionnaire. Go on then. Make a cup of your favorite tea or whatever floats your boat. Go to alsoinpink.com and click start now. Redefine what's possible and create your ideal life. I know a lot of people have had what you might call lockdown realizations and spending all this time at home. And Would you say that you've had 
a lockdown realization that's changed your perspective or your priorities? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've enjoyed going a lot slower and not doing so much. And then, you know, thinking back to the time before all of this, I just realized how much I was doing, like kind of multitasking or trying to do more than one thing at once or just trying to do a lot. So whether it was getting coffee and doing an Instagram post while I'm walking down the street on a work break or just going to a lot of artists shows to support them even if it was people I didn't know very well so I think just doing too much so it's definitely been nice slowing down doing more one thing at a time and really thinking about what you want to do and having a bit more purpose to that a bit more strategy yeah that sounds good and do you have any sort of lifestyle philosophy that goes with that or mantra or something that helps you hashtag live your best life <laughs> I think definitely appreciating what you have so when lockdown first started, I got out some like small pieces of art that we'd had around and I hadn't really known what to do with them. So we have like a little pink worm art on our fridge that's cheery. Yeah, we just, so we just got out some things that we'd always had and used them. So that was kind of nice to be able to do. Um, so I had a little like street art at home hashtag going for a few weeks where uh, you know, I'd actually like showcase what I had at home already, which was nice to be able to do. And it helped people know a bit more about me too. Sounds good. And being your sister-in-law, I've seen some pretty great photos of you as a teenager or young adult. So just wondering, how would you say your personal style has changed over the years? Oh, uh, so yeah, definitely went through a few phases. I grew up having very long hair as a child and I got all cut off when I was about 12 or 13 and would tend to get mistaken for a boy. So that that brought on my pink phase. And then I grew up a bit and went into a goth phase. This was the 80s, early 90s. And then went to college and grew out of that. So there have been a lot of different phases. Now I really look to like bright colours and, and things to be really cheerful and kind of uplifting. Yeah. And speaking of colour, I saw you in London just after I did my personal styling course and learned about seasonal colour analysis. And I know that you have your own paper fan your color palette to take around with you so has knowing your colors influenced the way you've thought about fashion or clothes or yeah your style yeah absolutely i think it's been not thinking about like what's in fashion but more what works for me so that's definitely changed that and thinking about like you know okay in autumn we don't all have to wear brown because we're not all awesome people um, so I think that's kind of helped relieve me of some of that pressure to wear the same thing everything else is wearing. So absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's persuaded me to try some things that I wouldn't have um, before, or maybe I'd be like, oh, I'm not sure if I like that color, but then you see how it looks on you. That's a little bit different. Yeah. So totally. That's been a great uh, revelation. Oh, excellent. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, certainly your your lovely spring palette goes with those bright, cheerful colours, which I know you photograph in your street art. So, yeah, do you feel you're becoming more in line yourself with your street art photos now, in terms of colour anyway? Yes, so yeah, there's definitely a thread there. It's becoming one with the art. Yes, something higher level. Lovely. I'm sure there's some branding tips in there somehow. Yeah, so I think a lot of people probably don't feel like they're creative or maybe don't have time to embrace their creativity um, or afraid of, of failing maybe or making mistakes, withdrawing or whatever. What do you think is a good way of pushing past that? Like, Do you have a, a design failure in your past that you've learned from? 
Yeah, I see a lot of people who say they can't draw. Part of my work, I do things like drawing exercises with people from different groups in our design company and just do the exercises, kind of draw the person sitting opposite you in one minute without looking down at the paper or without taking your pen off the paper. So sometimes it's just starting is the issue. And if you can kind of force somebody to get through that just by trying something, then they feel more open to doing other things. And I think that's true of a lot of things in life, whether it's something at home, you know, try these things and if it doesn't work, you can take it down. It doesn't have to be permanent and it's okay to try something and then be like, yeah, this really isn't working and not do it. You can reverse or pivot to something else. And I've done uh, something called a cave day training recently, which is all about focus. Uh, and a lot of that is doing like sprints or like do something for 20 minutes and just do that one thing. So a task can be like really overwhelming, but if you break it down or if you just say like, I'm just going to, you know, doesn't matter how far I get, but I'll do it for 20 minutes. Like that's really helpful too. Oh, that's great advice. And yeah, any other tips from your work as a creative director or overseeing creative processes? <laughs> yeah, part of my job is doing brainstorming, which is you know also part of leading a team on a project. So sometimes it's just being confident enough to get that idea out there. Uh, and sometimes it's just asking somebody else, hey, what do you think of this? Because you can get stuck going round and round in circles in your own mind. And a lot of creative problem solving is just about putting yourself in somebody else's shoes or even just telling somebody a problem that then they can break down because they don't have the same filters or they can give you a better perspective. Like, oh, hey, why don't you do this? So some of that sharing is really important. I think the nicest thing about working with other people is they can really surprise you with having a different outlook or a different approach to it. So that can be really fun. Uh, and I think you have to welcome that a little bit, like there will be some diversity and people's ideas aren't going to be the same as yours. And that's the point of working in a team. <laughs> and for people who mostly work by themselves, do you think it's good to really get that outside input? I think it is, yeah. I think sometimes it just helps spur you and think about it differently to show it to somebody. Um, like you know, sketching things when I was growing up, I just do a lot of typography and I'd show it to my mom. She'd be like, well, what does it say? And we're like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> like I've made it so artistic that you can't actually read the word, which is the point of lettering. I think if you're working on your own, I think there are a lot of resources out there now to get stimulation in terms of like getting you through a hump or just seeing how somebody else works. So there are so many online classes, especially now, that those have been really great. Yeah, definitely. Do you have a, a daily habit or ritual that brings you joy? One I think is definitely playing with the cat before work because it just takes me out of work prep, kind of getting ready in the morning. And there's a nice break of doing something completely different before work. Sometimes I'll go out, um, there's a playground beneath us with benches and trees. So sometimes I'll go out there and just sit for 15 minutes. When Mike, my husband, saw the notes for this, he said, the husband bringing tea is, is the best ritual in the morning, which it is. He's over there. Yes. <laughs> so Sarah, do you have a vision of what your ideal life looks like? How you'd spend your time, where you'd live? Uh, yeah, I think that's hard. I mean, you always like to think that you're living it already. And, you know, with a few tweaks, you'd be there. So 
you know, I do really enjoy living in New York and there are always things to optimize about that. And I think, you know, I do live somewhere with outdoor space. So that's been really good. But yeah, I guess it loops back to thinking about what you really want to do. And so I think slowing down or being more selective in a little bit more purposeful, like if I'm helping an artist, is it for a cause? Is it for the greater good in some way? So I've definitely been thinking about that more. Definitely. I think um, we all have. I certainly have as well. And do you have a top design or photography tip you'd like to share with us? Uh, yeah, I guess maybe it's thinking about what you do before you do it and thinking about what the idea is you want to convey. I think it's like thinking through what the what the concept is. So it's not just a snapshot or something more kind of functional in terms of design. Sounds good. And we're approaching the finale, so we have a round of quick fire questions. So Sarah, what's your most treasured possession? And of course, no judgment. Uh, I have an old DSLR camera that my dad gave me on my 18th birthday. So I haven't used it for a while, but it's nice to get out and um, go back to every now and then. Um, so I do use it occasionally. So that's really nice. And then during lockdown, I, I got a blue fuzzy blanket, which has been a great purchase. Oh, excellent. <laughs> and you have to fight the cats for it as well. I do. Yes. Yeah. Both of them. Excellent. What's your favorite article of clothing or accessory in your current wardrobe? I have a Marameco's kind of like a stretchy tunic. They have that trademark like big flower from I think Sweden in the 60s. So it has big black and white flowers, which is good to pull out every now and then when I need something cheerful. Generally, I go to color rather than pattern. Um, so it's definitely outside my like comfort zone or my usual kind of go-tos but I think yeah like sometimes when it's just been a really long week or there's been a lot happening uh yeah it's great to just say okay sod it I'm gonna wear giant flowers and not care that's amazing <laughs> and where do you go to get inspired oh that's a good question uh so I like the pure wow websites for different kind of like tips and ideas and then sometimes in New York it's just nice to people watch and see what people are wearing. And I, th I guess I have a few different spheres because I have like design and then I have like street art and streetwear. So I have a few different things that I look to for inspiration. Excellent. And what's one book or resource you'd recommend for everyone? Uh, so I really like Adam JK, who's an illustrator who deals a lot with personal failings and not doing things perfectly. Um, so his style is like very bright backgrounds and kind of like I think he does everything by hand, so it's like by pencil, and then he blows it up, so it looks very imperfect, which is kind of very encouraging, I'd say. And I think he's the same in real life. You know, if you see him do a talk or do any of his live sessions or anything, he's very much like that. So, Sarah, what are you grateful for? That's a very KonMari question for you. So I think first, definitely my family of husband and, and cats, especially during this time. And I think, you know, really friends, artists, other people who do what I do. It's been great as things have opened up a little bit more just to see people even just at a distance uh, and realizing how important they are. So absolutely. That sounds great. And finally, what do you love most about life? Ooh, just end on a small question, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like to make it easy for you. Uh, so I think 
just as you can see there's a little bit of a theme other than cats and there's always coffee but i think just i enjoy people's creativity whether it's just an ordinary person getting over a problem in a creative way or you know just seeing a lot of the work artists put out there you know it's not necessarily to make a living or make money but it's to express themselves or to support a cause or you know really looking for you know some kind of social change so i think a lot of especially over the last few months is just how people really want to do better and and make this a, a better place so that's been really inspiring that sounds wonderful thank you so much sarah it's been a real pleasure speaking with you about all these creative things you're welcome you too alexandra yeah thanks for being on the show thank you my pleasure Well, hope you enjoyed that chat with graphic designer Sarah Sansom. Be sure to check out her amazing street art photography on Instagram at Cat's Coffee Creativity. Gotta love all that alliteration. So, here are some key takeaways from our conversation. For street art photography, develop your own style. Like anything creative, be inspired by others, but don't copy them. And it helps to know what those common shots are for your subject and differentiate yourself by doing something a bit different. You can use stride buys to add that focal point if you're struggling with a challenging shot or mute a visually busy environment and let those key elements shine through. And just because everyone else wears brown in autumn or black in winter, that doesn't mean you have to as well. Dare to be different. Knowing your colors through something like seasonal color analysis helps give you that confidence to make some style waves. Go on then, get out there and be fabulous. That's our show then. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Alexandria and this is Also in Pink, the podcast all about lifestyle design. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to Also in Pink wherever you get your podcasts. And the absolute best way to show your support is to write a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. This really helps more than anything to promote the show. And of course, tell all your friends. Thank you so much for your support. Until next time, have a wonderful week. Redefine what's possible and create your ideal life. <laughs>